It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. You gotta just laugh at the media. Everything's about politics. Everything. Amin al-Zwahari is apparently taken out by the CIA, a CIA drone in Afghanistan, which is now fully controlled by terrorist groups. It's a terrorist state, and we still don't know where our citizens are. But the lead is, this is a big get for Joe Biden. This is a big victory for Joe Biden. He's going to speak at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And you know, if you don't slobber over Joe and praise Joe for how beautifully this was done, whatever was done, then there's something wrong with you. And I guarantee you, every syllable I'm speaking now is being taken down. And of course, we're going to talk about this. But then I I decided just to take a look at something. I thought to myself, just, just for the curiosity, when Donald Trump took out Soleimani, what did Biden say? What did he say? Fox News, Biden questions decision to kill Soleimani. Quote, I pray that Trump listened to his commanders. Former Vice President Joe Biden, campaigning in Iowa, ripped President Trump's decision to authorize air, an airstrike that killed Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, the commander of Iran's secretive Quds Force, one of the country's most powerful figures, asking if the administration is prepared for what could come next amid retaliatory threats. Nothing came next. Biden questioned Trump's decision in front of a crowd of more than 200 people at a community event. One month out from the February 3 caucuses, the airstrike followed thousands of protesters storming the compound of the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad this week. Using a teleprompter to deliver his speech, Biden called the move an enormous escalation and asked the crowd if the administration had a plan for what comes next. Quote, nothing we've seen from this administration over the past three years suggests they are equipped to deal with the very real risk we now confront. Biden said Trump's maximum pressure campaign has failed on multiple counts and that the latest action puts the U.S. on the brink of a major new conflict in the Middle East. He said the threat that the Obama administration had put on the back burner is now back on the table and warned of a renewed potential for multiple Iranian attacks by multiple means on multiple targets, I quote him. Quote, does Donald Trump and his administration have a strategy for what comes next? Former Vice President asked, saying the Middle East was already on the edge of another major war and the risk has been made much worse by President Trump's policies. He also faulted Trump for a string of dubious actions that have increased the risk of war with Iran and danger to Americans. So upon the news that Donald Trump took out Soleimani, it was a mass murder. You see a lot of these shows on TV about the men and women who were damaged horrifically, horrifically wounded in the Middle East and Iraq in particular. Soleimani and his group was behind much of that. Trump takes them out because they fired missiles 
on our base in Iraq, and he said enough is enough. Trump takes him out, and Biden trashes him. Trashes him. Then I said, I wonder what Biden said when Trump took out Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS. Former Vice President Joe Biden, a leading 2020 White House hopeful, said on Monday that ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was killed in a U.S. military operation despite President Trump's ineptitude as commander-in-chief. The Democratic presidential frontrunner also slammed Trump's, quote, erratic behavior, unquote, saying to the president's decision to withdraw U.S. troops from northern Syria, likely rush the mission to take out the ISIS chief. Quote, his erratic behavior made it harder and more dangerous for the special forces carrying it out. And they had to fly through territory that is now hostile to the U.S., taking fire along the way, including territory we controlled just weeks ago. The Hill. And Trump was met with criticism earlier this month after he withdrew U.S. forces from... So they go on to attack Trump, the media. Biden attacks Trump. When Trump took out ISIS and took out al-Baghdadi. So Trump takes out Soleimani. He's trashed by Biden. Trump takes out Baghdadi. He's trashed by Biden. But now, my God... If you don't lavish praise on Joe Biden. Why are they doing this at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time? Why are they doing this? I I mean, I haven't read this article. I'll read it to you. U.S. takes out al-Qaeda leader Ahmed al-Zwahari. Successful Afghanistan counterterrorism operation. Two intel sources tell Fox News. I'm sure they didn't have to work hard. The administration's putting it out the lead up to the to the press event. The United States conducted a successful counterterrorism operation against a significant al-Qaeda target, Amin al-Zwahari, in Afghanistan over the weekend. So, Mr. Producer, if they did it over the weekend, why didn't they announce it yesterday? It's like the January 6th committee. Prime time, baby. Quote, over the weekend, the United States conducted a counterterrorism operation against a significant al-Qaeda target in Afghanistan. The senior official told Fox News Monday the operation was successful and there were no civilian casualties. So this is a leak right out of the White House. Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm giving an exclusive to you guys at Fox and New York Times and Washington. Giving an exclusive. He was killed by a CIA drone. Biden administration closed the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. Well, that's good that this guy's been killed. I'm thrilled by it. The only people I can think of who are opposed to this, of course, are his supporters in Afghanistan and, uh, and some of whom, no doubt, are in the United States Congress. Just saying. Just being honest. Meanwhile, where are the citizens, the American citizens in Afghanistan? There were several thousand of them. Where are they? Where are they? I'm asking an honest question. And what's happened to all the women in Afghanistan? Look at that, Mark, throwing a wet blanket. No, I'm just realistic. I don't go with the mob. Then there's this. Because Joe Biden's busy making the world safer, particularly America, you know. 
Jerusalem Post. Iran announces activation of hundreds of new centrifuges. Did you see this today? No, you didn't see it anywhere today. Did you hear it on any televised news program? No, you didn't see it or hear it today. Nowhere. The announcement comes just hours after the U.S. announced new sanctions against Iran's petroleum trade. These guys, these, these Islamo-Nazis in Tehran are running circles around us. But isn't it funny how the media bend over backwards here, but when it came to Trump, they fell, fell perfectly fine to trash the guy. Everybody's bending over backward. My God. Joe Biden is a great leader. He's had a hell of a week. Looks like he's going to have this massive new tax and spending bill, which will further destroy our economic system, make inflation worse, raise taxes, and wipe out our fossil fuel industry. What a success. And this, you got to give credit where credit's due. This is what I'm hearing right now. And yet there's this. Iran is activating hundreds of new and advanced IR-6 and IR-1 centrifuges to enrich uranium. The spokesman for the Iranian Atomic Energy Organization announced today 500 IR-6 machines will be activated over the next 10 to 15 days, according to the announcement. They're even cocky about it. Spokesperson for the Islamo regime stated the centrifuges were being activated as part of the strategic action plan to lift sanctions and protect Iranian nation's interest and reach a minimum enrichment level of 190,000 separate work units to meet the level of Iran's needs. Gee, I wonder what that is. Iranian officials have stated in the past that the 190,000 is needed to fuel the reactors at the Boucher power plant and Tehran nuclear facility. According to the Institute for Science and International Security, the goal of 190,000 SWU cited by Iranian official usually converts to about 128,000 and more standard units, as Iranians are usually measuring based... Ah, who cares, you idiots? Such a program, they said, for a nuclear weapons vantage is huge for a country like Iran. Well... But don't worry. Don't worry. Do you know what the reaction of the Biden administration is? Quote, the United States continues to pursue the path of diplomacy to achieve a mutual return to full implementation of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, said Undersecretary of the Treasury for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, Brian E. Nelson, till such time as Iran is ready to return to full implementation of its commitments continue to enforce sanctions on the illicit sale of Iranian petroleum and petrochemicals. We're not enforcing that. That's why Iran's doing it. They didn't do it under Trump. So, on the same day they are applauding themselves, Iran announces it's starting up these centrifuges, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, which will bring them to the point of being able to make that atomic bomb. And our response is diplomacy. And when Trump took out two of the greatest terrorists in modern history, Biden trashed him. I am not trashing Joe Biden. I'm putting things in some rational context. 
This is a really big win for Joe. Why aren't we talking about our country and thanking the CIA and all the people who worked hard to do this? Joe was informed about this. He's finally made a decision probably to go ahead, which is the decision he opposed when it came to bin Laden, you might recall. So this is good for the United States. But how about a story that is honest? And stop playing cheerleader and stop, ooh, this is a good week for Joe. I've had second thoughts. I thought about it during the break. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you for all you've done to secure this nation. Thank you for your opposition to taking out bin Laden. Thank you for your opposition to taking out Soleimani. Thank you for your opposition to taking out Baghdadi. Thank you for leaving thousands of American citizens in Afghanistan in $80 billion of equipment. Thank you for blowing up the Abraham Peace Accords and empowering the Islamo regime in Tehran with endless dopey negotiations while they're building their nuclear weapons. I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you. Thank you for giving special privileges to the communist Chinese regime, taking off certain tariffs, wanting to take off more tariffs that Donald Trump put in place because you hate Donald Trump more than you fear the communist Chinese. I want to thank you. Thank you for proposing an absolutely unacceptable budget for the United States military. Even your Congress had to increase the budget. I want to thank you for that. Thank you for the open borders. God knows is coming into this country, but it doesn't matter. But I want to thank you so much for improving our national security. And for personally taking up Zwahari or whatever the hell his name is. Thank you. Thank you for the Inflation Reduction Act, which increases inflation. But of course, there is no inflation. Thank you for changing the meaning of recession. I was getting very nervous that we were in a recession, but now I know, thanks to your definitional change, we're not in a recession. Thank you for that. Thank you for bringing down the price of gasoline by draining the strategic emergency reserve almost to the last drop and ensuring that the communist Chinese get at least six million barrels. Things happen, as they say. Thank you for the baby formula shortages. Thank you for what will be more food shortages. Thank you for destroying pension plans and such. You deserve, you've had a good week. You've had a good week. And you deserve all the credit in the world. Now, I want to thank the CIA for killing this little rat fink. He looks like a rat. He looks like Arafat, to be perfectly honest with you. Thank you, CIA. I wonder how many... Never mind. 
Thank you, CIA. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to dance around this. There is a huge divide, huge divide in the Republican Party and in the conservative movement. Huge divide. And uh, the majority of people in the Republican Party and the conservative movement, when it comes to foreign policy, are Reaganites. Peace through strength. Strength. Now, strength doesn't just mean building up the military so it sits there and gets rusty. It means when we are threatened, we don't have to wait for nuclear missiles to hit New York and L.A., to hit Chicago and Philadelphia, to hit New England, the Midwest, the West Coast, the Atlantic states, it's too late then, particularly when countries have hypersonic missiles and even our Patriot missiles can't catch up to them. It's too late. It's too late when killer satellites up in space produced by China and Russia, take the eyes of our military and blind them by knocking out our GPS systems. The enemy has the capacity to do all these things. It's too late when they target our grid, which more and more is the focus of this phony green energy agenda, and blow out our electrical system. Now, Josh Hawley put out a tweet, I like Josh Hawley, which crystallizes the point. Says, we can do more in Europe, more troops, more resources, more commitments, or we can focus on our number one threat, China. We cannot prioritize both. We're not sending more troops to Europe. We're sending more resources to Ukraine in the immediate surrounding countries because Ukraine is under attack. And I would remind Josh Hawley that we have an obligation since 1994, we and the Brits, and yes, even the Russians, to help protect their sovereignty after we insisted that they surrender all their nuclear weapons back to Russia. 
But that doesn't seem to matter anymore. And perhaps some who hold this view are unfamiliar with World War II. Or they're unfamiliar with the successful Reagan foreign policy. You cannot have a military that is so small, that is so underfunded, though it is so passive that you can't focus on more than one enemy at a time. The problem right now is the military is being hollowed out. It's being hollowed out with these ridiculous vaccine demands. It's being hollowed out with the wokeism. We're not meeting our recruitment numbers because of it. We are not spending the money that is needed on the United States military. It's the number one job of the federal government to protect this country. Not of every state, not of every city, but from foreign threats, that's their damn job. Or we're going to lose our country. And listen, he's not alone. You have some guys on TV. You have some guys that run think tanks, like the Quincy Institute. You have some guys that run organizations that I like, or at least did, who parrot this, America first. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. One of these clown candidates, like I said, was running for uh, the Republican nomination in Congress 6, excuse me, Congress 7 in Florida, He's one of these Rand Paul wannabes, a knockoff. And when I was done questioning him, he sounded like an idiot. So you know what his response is a day later? That I'm a super neocon. Well, he's a super con. His name's Sabatini. They can call all the names they want. As I've been saying forever now, we need to be prepared, and we're not. We are not prepared. We are not. And the answer isn't to embrace George McGovern's foreign policy. The answer isn't to be quizlings every time some country threatens us. That's not a foreign policy that was endorsed by Trump or Reagan or anybody else for that matter. We've gone through these cycles of isolationism, protectionism, in terms of the military, and pacifism. And every time they've led to horrific casualties to the United States. Because our enemies build up and build up and build up. They get stronger and stronger and stronger. They're able to outposition us with bases over here and bases over there. And one day somebody says, what are we going to do about this? They attack us. And then you need a draft. And then you have to change your economy. And then the Constitution's ripped in half. But we have eyes, ladies and gentlemen, to see. We have ears to hear. We have eyes to see and ears to hear. So as much as I like Josh Hawley, I can never vote for him for president. We can do more in Europe. Or we can focus on our number one threat. How about we build up the United States military 
and focus on all our threats and be prudential about what we do with them rather than, well, we can look over here or look over there, but we can't look at both. As I say, it's not just him. It's an entire mindset now. It just sounds great. We're America first. That's not America first. That's not America first at all. America first is with the biggest kick-ass military on the face of the earth. Now, what we do with it is a matter of prudence. What we do with it is important. But what, I mean, let's just take this at face value. We can do more in Europe. Well, what does that mean? That's not just Ukraine. That's Europe. 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 More resources, more commitments. Who's asking for more commitments? More commitments to do what? Or we can focus on our number one threat, China. I'm hearing tonight that we're provoking China because Pelosi dares to take a trip or is going to, hopefully, to Taiwan. We're provoking China. They build the phony islands and militarize them. They threaten the navigable waters in an area of the world where almost half of the economy flows. They threaten Japan. They threaten South Korea. They even threaten Vietnam and the Philippines. They're trying to get a base in the Solomon Islands. Ever hear them before in the Pacific? Ever hear Guadalcanal? That's part of them. My great uncle fought there. Oh, what's that any of our business? They now have a base on the west coast of Africa. They have contracts on both sides of the Panama Canal. They're building a, pow- a, a powerful military operation with the Russians in Antarctica. Why? They have nothing to do. Well, why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Why is Iran getting nukes? What are they defending exactly? Why is Iran getting nukes? So when somebody says, eh, look, we can't, you know, it's either one or the other, tells me they're not qualified. Now, that doesn't mean I stand with Lindsey Graham or the others. Hey, everybody, let's attack. That's not prudent. We can't. We shouldn't. They're both wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Whether it's Graham or Hawley, or Rand Paul for that matter. They criticized Trump when he took out Soleimani. They thought Trump's actions were provocative, too. You don't remember? I remember. I remember. So this party, this movement better get its head screwed on right. The truth is, these isolationists, they don't want to prepare for war against anybody. See, now China is our fault. It's our provocation because a top official wants to go to Taiwan. Really? 
Oh, yes, we're provoking them. Well, then. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. Isn't it interesting listening to some of these hosts, some of these national security experts and guests saying today and tonight what I said yesterday? I said yesterday, I'm glad this guy was taken out, Zwahari. But it demonstrates, <coughs> excuse me, cholera. But it demonstrates that Afghanistan is a terrorist state. And there's thousands and thousands of these terrorists now in Afghanistan, and they're given a safe haven. Thanks largely to Joe Biden and the way we left Afghanistan. Oh, Mark, Mark, come on. We've got a string of successes here for, for Joey. No, Al-Qaeda has been reconstituted since August in Afghanistan, where they were constituted in the first place and from which they attacked us on 9-11. And it was all thrown away. 20 years. How many lives? How many casualties? And Joe Biden handed that country back. Well, it's not like it belonged to us. Excuse me. Nobody said it belonged to us. But the goal was to take out Al-Qaeda. He claimed victory. He left American citizens hostages. He left tens of thousands of allies hostages. The Taliban lied every step of the way about what's taking place to the women there and other people there. They are a not just a haven for terrorists. The communist Chinese are mining their minerals, some of which are very exotic and rare and used for the types of uh, potential military technology and so forth. And you'll remember we left that massive air base there. So Swazari's death doesn't demonstrate how brilliant we are, although it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. It demonstrates we have another problem on our hands. And I also pointed out yesterday the news in the Jerusalem Post, which you've still not seen on cable TV or network TV, that Iran is starting up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of its centrifuges. Now, how much of that have you heard? Nothing. So Iran's going to have nuclear weapons by the end of this administration. China's definitely going to invade Taiwan, and they don't need Pelosi as an excuse. This has been a plan. This has been a plan, and it also demonstrates, like it or not, she is more testosterone than Joe Biden, than Austin, 
than Millie and all of them put together. Yes, I despise her. But what she did here was the right thing. The right thing. Despite what the isolationists, the radical libertarians, and the Marxists in our country have to say about it. China's poised to attack Taiwan, and we are not poised to stop them. It's a huge problem. It's it's a problem we've seen coming for a long time now. China vowed to fight to the death. Now, they have moved their warships towards Taiwan. They have uh, many, many tanks that they are prepared to, to send to the island. They have uh, fighter planes have been deployed. They don't need an excuse. This is what they planned all the time. And there's footage, if you want to see it, of exactly what they've been doing at the Sun. The Sun uh, publication, as a matter of fact. They show tanks parked in the city of Jamin in eastern China. Columns and columns of them. Uh, going through the streets, lined up, and uh, see what else. Now they're raging about Pelosi's visit. They're raging. Look, if it had been Mitch McConnell, they'd be raging about him too. It's good she didn't stand down. But I want to remind you. I want to remind you it was Biden who wanted her to stand down. It was the United States military who wanted her to stand down. And that message is not lost on the communist Chinese either. She landed in Taiwan, did uh, Pelosi, last night our time. Let's see, she's the highest profile elected official to visit Taiwan in 25 years. Why is that? Why the hell is that? shouldn't be the case she was on tour of Asia and that was one of the countries she wanted to see China considers self-ruled democratic Taiwan its territory has vowed to one day seize the island by force if necessary look what they've done to little Hong Kong look what they've done people enjoyed going to Hong Kong Hong Kong was an incredibly productive State. I mean, unbelievable. A free state, a free people. You don't even hear about it anymore. You hear nothing. There's no news coming out of there, there's no information coming out of there. Nothing. Because it's now a prison colony. People are being deported from Hong Kong into mainland China and disappearing. You haven't heard that, have you? The government's been completely cleansed and taken over. There's an older gentleman there, a billionaire who was funding the Democracy Project. He was very outspoken. He owned one of the newspapers. They took him into custody. Nobody's heard from him since. Now that takes guts, doesn't it? Not the people who threaten our Supreme Court and not the 
John Leibowitz's and so forth. No, that takes guts. Moscow, of course, stood in solidarity with China. But more and more as this goes on, the the supercons expose themselves. Yesterday, some of them were saying, look, we got to choose either Europe or China. We can't do both. We used to be able to do both. We used to be able to do more. So it's... It's come to that. So you don't even make decisions based on strategic best interests of the United States. There's one or the other. That's the way it goes. Either Europe goes or Taiwan goes. That's the way it was as dumb as it gets, as dangerous as it gets. Then there were others yesterday. Having thrown Ukraine under the bus, they were ready to throw Taiwan under the bus. Ukraine, Taiwan, what's the difference? These are the people who are going to get the United States in World War III. These are the people who are giving aid and comfort to our enemies because they read what they put on social media. They listen to what they say on radio and TV. They read what they write, these apologists, or whatever they are. That's not mainstream. That's not traditional. And I have to keep hearing, we don't want these forever wars. Of course we don't. What does that have to do with this? We have major superpowers threatening the United States. How many men and women did we lose in Europe? Because of people like this. Even when Britain was under attack. Where is that any of our business? What is that any of our business? You don't want your kids to die in war. If you don't want your kids to die in war, then you embrace the Reagan policies. You know, it's a funny thing. Prior to the Japanese attacking us at Pearl Harbor, there was a big isolationist movement in this country, and it's happened from time to time. And it comes from so-called conservatives, but it also comes from the left. And it's a weird fusion. It's a weird collusion of alliances, if you will. But in the end, it comes from the view, it comes from the view that America is provocative. That we provoke these wars. That we want these wars. That federal contractors want these wars. That the neocons, the Jews, they want these wars. Especially if you're a super MAGA neocon, then you really want these wars. Or they'll hold out as an excuse. The radical interventionists among us. The Lindsey Grahams. <coughs> Excuse me, cholera. The Lindsey Grahams. Or before that, McCain and, and even Rubio at one point. We don't agree with that. That's not our position. So they have to misstate what you and I stand for, just like the left. And that we want your kids to be killed. They talk like the left because they embrace the left when it comes to this. Soleimani should have been taken out. He was. Thank you, President Trump. Baghdadi should have been taken out. Head of ISIS, thank you, President Trump. The Soviet Union should have fell. Thank you, President Reagan. And we can go on and on. But if the isolationists had had their way, the supercons, none of that would have happened. 
But they're the ones who will get us into a world war. Because the communist Chinese like nothing more than they hear these modern-day Tokyo Roses. Go on and on. And cherry-pick their generals, and cherry-pick their admirals, and cherry-pick their whatevers. It's just shocking. Did we learn nothing from World War One? Did we learn nothing from World War Two? Did we learn, learn nothing about communism? Or the fascists who run Russia? Have we learned nothing about Islamo-Nazis with nuclear weapons, for God's sakes? There's a point at which it's too late to stop them. Or where we run out of options to stop them. But they always claim we're the provocateurs. Look, politics has played into their hands because Biden is a buffoon who has, through his weakness, through his appeasement, caused our enemies to think, if we don't act now, when the hell are we going to act? Look what they're doing to their own military. They don't have the numbers they need. They don't have the funding they need. They're pushing wokeism. <laughs> Remember those commercials, Join the Marines? Remember they showed all these strong guys and all the different things? Notice we don't see those anymore. Notice that, Mr. Producer? We don't see them anymore. When you watch the commercials on TV for our various services, particularly the Army and the Marines, but especially the Marines. It's pathetic. The kind of men and women we need to join the armed services aren't joining because they don't want to be treated this way. They don't want to hear lectures about pronouns. Ever. Never. Now, China's the enemy. China is the enemy. They are prepared for war. We are not preparing. And it's not a choice between Ukraine or Taiwan or our border or Ukraine's border or our drilling versus Russia holding back. These are all excuses. These are all phony points. Mark Levin. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought we'd do some comparisons between the 
communist Chinese military and the military of the free nation of Taiwan. And we better start talking about this a little bit more thoroughly. Total ground forces, communist China, 1,040,000 plus 416,000 personnel in the Taiwan Strait area. Almost 1.5 million. Taiwan, 88,000. Taiwan is a nation of about 23.5 million. China is a nation of 1.4 billion. So (laughs) Taiwan's population isn't even a rounding error when you consider the size of communist China. Ground armies, you know, regular army. Army Corps. 13 ground, uh, excuse me, group armies. 13 group armies in China plus five in the Taiwan Strait, a total of 18. Taiwan, three. Combined arms brigades. 78, 30 additional in the Taiwan Strait area. Um, number in Taiwan, zero. Let's move down the list. Give me a second. Army Aviation Air Assault Brigades, 15 plus 5 in the Taiwan Straits. Communist China is 20, Taiwan is 4. Artillery Brigades, 15 plus 5 in the Straits, that's 20, Taiwan 3. Airborne Brigades, 7 plus 7 in the Taiwan Straits, that's 14, Taiwan 0. Marine Brigades, total of 13, China 2, Taiwan. Tanks. China has 6,300, Taiwan has 800. Artillery pieces. China has 7,000, Taiwan has 1,100. You can see quite the distinction. Aircraft carriers. Let's see here. Communist China, three. Taiwan, zero. Cruisers, Communist China, one. Taiwan, zero. Destroyers, Communist China, 53. Taiwan, four. Frigates, a little over 80 for Communist China, 22 Taiwan. Corvettes, no, not those. China, slightly over 80. Taiwan, zero. Tank, medium landing ships, amphibious transport dock. Communist China, 57. Taiwan, 14. Diesel attack subs. China, 56. Taiwan has a total of two subs, diesel. Nuclear attack subs. China has nine. Taiwan has zero. Ballistic missile submarines. China has six. Taiwan has zero. Coastal patrol missile Armed ships. China is 86. Taiwan is 44. Coast Guard ships, 223. Communist China, 23. Taiwan. You get this sense? Total of fighter jets. Communist China, 1,600. Taiwan, 400. Bombers. China has 450. Taiwan is zero. Transport planes. 
China has 400. Taiwan has 30. Special mission aircraft, China has 150. Taiwan has 30. China also has nuclear weapons. Taiwan has none. So Taiwan is heavily, heavily, heavily outgunned. This is from the uh, definitive report from the Department of Defense. Um, I was on page 160-something or other. It's almost over 200 pages, so I painstakingly went through this report about the power of China, not just against Taiwan, against India, against Japan, and mostly against the United States. They are on the move. They've stolen an enormous amount of our technology. They've applied it heavily. Uh, you know, when you see figures about the percentage of money they spend on on the military on GDP versus us, the figures are unreliable because they believe in the fusion of the military and the civilian. So they use the full force of their economy in every way possible and fuse it with the military. This is the annual report to Congress, Office of the Secretary of Defense, uh, military and security and developments involving the People's Republic of China, the most recent one, 2021. And they are required to do this as part of the National Defense Authorization Act. They point out, and I'm telling you this for a reason, they also point out, uh, let's see here, in their executive summary that the PRC strategy comes China is to achieve the greatest rejuvenation of the Chinese nation, they're quoting, by 2049 to match or surpass U.S. global influence and power. So that's about 25 years. Displace U.S. alliances and security partnerships in the Indo-Pacific region. Revise the international order to be more advantageous to Beijing's authoritarian regime and national interests. It can be characterized as a determined pursuit of far-ranging efforts to expand communist China's national power. Despite challenges posed by COVID, Beijing continued its efforts to advance its overall development, including steadying its economic growth, strengthening its armed forces, taking a more assertive role in global affairs. And in response to both long- and short-term economic trends, the Communist Party unveiled a new economic strategic task or new development pattern called dual circulation. Is this boring, everybody? I hope not, because... We are staring evil in the eye here. And whether we want to or not, and whether we like it or not, we're on a course towards war with communist China. Because they want a war. And they're trying to provoke one. The PRC has characterized China's view of strategic competition in terms of a rivalry among powerful nation states, as well as a clash of opposing ideological systems. That is, Beijing views the United States as increasingly determined to contain uh, the communist Chinese, creating potential obstacles to its strategy. Additionally, its leaders are increasingly willing to confront the United States and other countries in areas where interests diverge. In typical communist language, the government there seeks to build a, quote, community of common destiny that supports its strategy to realize the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. You see, Xi has looked at the various dynasties in communist China, which go back a long, long time, long before our country, and uh, 
He's trying to rejuvenate that. That's what he's doing. Beijing's revisionist ambition for the international order drives from the objective national strategy in the party's political and governing systems. In 2019, it recognized its armed forces should take a more active role in advancing its foreign policy, which, of course, is exactly what it's doing. Now, we have an opportunity here, though. But with Doofus in the White House and the Democrats in Congress and the America Lasters in the Republican Party, we, not, we may miss the opportunity to exploit this. Reagan did not miss the opportunity to exploit the problems in the Russian economy or the Soviet economy. There are serious problems in the Russian economy, excuse me, in the Chinese economy right now, as Breitbart points out. John Hayward. China's economy foundering as the second half of 2022 began with slower manufacturing activity, higher unemployment, and a depressed real estate market. China's weakening economy reduced its demand for oil, combining with downbeat manufacturing data from other countries to bring oil prices down by 4%. A Caxon poll found that Chinese manufacturing actively slowed considerably in July, possibly even contracted after the latest round of coronavirus lockdowns ended in June. China Beige Book International consulting firm for investors said July factory output slowed to levels not seen since the mid-2020s, and retail sector unemployment at a two-year high, signed that Chinese urbanites and corporate managers simply do not believe that COVID is over. Retailing is in the most trouble. Other economic surveys found Chinese real estate markets slipping by 33% after an 89% surge from the end of lockdowns in June. Gross domestic product growing by only 0.4%, in the second quarter, consumers nervous despite a 3.1% post-lockdown gain. Consumer spending has been stagnant. Analysts compared the current situation unfavorably to China's recovery from a market collapse and banking scandals in 2015 because consumer spending kept growing in 2015 while it has become stagnant today. When China's troubled real estate giant, the China Evergrande Group, did not deliver its promised $300 billion restructuring plan over the weekend, analysts told CNBC the loss of confidence in real estate could create a negative feedback loop that drags down much of the rest of the Chinese economy. So the point is what? Now is the time to put the screws to the Chinese economy. I understand that a lot of our corporatists a lot of our unpatriotic corporatists continue to defend this genocidal regime, this threat to the United States, because of their investments in China. That's their problem. That's their problem. We need a, the equivalent of the Manhattan Project when it comes to our economy and our military. And we need spending on the size of the Marshall Plan. That is, we must slash the socialist economic state. And rather than move money out of the military to redistribution of wealth, to more buildings and departments in Washington, to climate change, whatever that is, and all the rest of it, we need to do the reverse. Our military has been underfunded for a long time. 
Trump's support of the military, quite frankly, given the new threats, is not enough. It's not enough. We need to clean out all the woke brass at the Pentagon who are killing our military from within. We need to get back to strict standards, physical standards, mental standards. You want to dress like a guy and you're a girl. You want to dress like a girl and you're a guy. You want to lop off your genitalia or add to your genitalia. Well, that's not for us in the United States military. No, I'm sorry. And what I said will be controversial, although three, four, five years ago, people would say, what are you nuts? What are you talking about? We all know what I'm talking about. All of us. We need to redirect our domestic federal law enforcement and our domestic federal prosecutions to the communists in China and Iran and the fascists in Russia because they are not protecting our wealth. They're not protecting our proprietary interests. They're not protecting our intelligence. And so we are subsidizing our enemies with our know-how to build missiles and other systems to destroy us. And it's time we redirect the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, the Attorney General's Office in Washington, and the U.S. Attorney offices in all 93 districts, and the FBI from investigating innocent American civilians, whether they be parents or what have you, whether they be making up crimes to go against a former president. It's time to go after the real bad guys. Build up the military, go after the bad guys. We can't have so-called conservative Republicans saying, look, we got to make a choice. It's either Europe or China. Are you out of your friggin' mind? Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Those of you who have been listening to this program for many years, watching Levin TV, for six years, watching me on my Fox show for four and a half years, you'll know that China's been a main focus. You'll have hosts and others who say, as I mentioned years ago, they never mentioned a damn thing. They follow current events, pretty much. We talk about current events, too, but they're not forward-looking. And that's the problem. And we've used charts to show the buildup of the Chinese military. We've talked about it over and over again, and it's here. One of the other things we've talked about includes our media when it comes to communist China. Many in the media are bought off by the communist Chinese. They like going to these autocratic places where they're treated like kings and queens, where their best ideologies, that is, their obsession with the centralized, You know, social engineering is playing out. They look at a society like that, and they approve of it. Some of them are basketball players. Some of them are politicians. And some of them are columnists. As I wrote in Liberty and Tyranny many years ago now, Thomas Friedman of the New York Slimes has been a huge apologist for the communist Chinese government. He was on TV just a few days ago telling our government to tamp it down, telling Pelosi, why are you going? 
that we were provoking the communist Chinese. All of a sudden, China would decide who can and cannot go to Taiwan. Well, that's a new one. As they used one tactic after another, one step after another, to try and control the island nation of Taiwan. And yes, it's a nation. Chuck Ross... Chuck Ross discovers over at Free Beacon. New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman last month hosted a delegation from Think Tank, a think tank helmed by a Chinese government advisor, deeply enmeshed in Beijing's propaganda operations. Now, this guy, Thomas Friedman, married into enormous wealth. He and his wife live on seven acres in some of the most valuable area outside of Washington, D.C., either Bethesda or Chevy Chase. And Thomas Friedman has been sitting on his fat ass, writing for the New York Times for decades. The Friedmans are best friends with the John Roberts family. So you can see where John Roberts is influenced, like so many in Washington, D.C. But Friedman has been a longtime apologist for communist China, as I wrote in Liberty and Tyranny. And he demonstrates that again. Friedman met in July with Wang Yao, the president of the Center for China and Globalization, to discuss, quote, mega trends and the transformation of globalization in the post-pandemic era, unquote. Friedman also hosted the group at Planet World, a Washington, D.C.-based language museum run by his wife, Anne. Wang advises the Chinese government, is an official of two United Front organizations, and helped develop China's controversial, quote, thousand talents, unquote, program, which the FBI says Beijing uses to steal trade secrets from American companies and create national security risks for the U.S. government. The think tank has been linked to China's United Front system, which the Communist Party uses to influence, quote, universities, think tanks, scholar journalists, and government officials, according to a Trump administration report. Friedman reportedly one of President Joe Biden's favorite newspaper columnists, wrote in a Times column on Tuesday that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's trip to Taiwan is, quote, utterly reckless. I think he's the modern, as a friend put it, Walter Durante, don't you, Mr. Producer? An apologist for the communist Chinese. The columnist has repeatedly urged government officials to take a softer stance towards Beijing, Chinese state media last year touted Friedman's remarks in an interview with Wang, or is it Wang, that America could not succeed without a healthy relationship with China. So we can't succeed without China. That's Friedman. He conducted a glowing interview in 2019 with the head of the Chinese tech giant, Huawei, in which he asked what, quote, America loses by blocking the company from building 5G infrastructure because of its links to Chinese intelligence. The Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist has also made inaccurate claims that China's efforts to deter Russia's actions in Ukraine while criticizing Pelosi's trip in an interview last week. Friedman said that China's helping us in Ukraine and cautioned against poking the great bear right now. Remember, I talked about that. But U.S. officials have publicly criticized Beijing for supporting Russia, as the New York Times reported last month. And the State Department said in May that Chinese Communist Party media outlets routinely amplify Kremlin propaganda, conspiracy theories, and disinformation. 
This is about the American media. This is about the 800-pound media gorilla, the New York Slimes. It supported Stalin. It supported the Third Reich. It supported Castro. And now it's supporting Xi in China. Like Friedman, Wang also criticized Pelosi for her Taiwan visit, calling it very, very bad move in an interview with Bloomberg News over the weekend. And he portrayed China as a potential peacemaker in Ukraine in a Times op-ed in March, a New York Times op-ed. The gray lady came under fire for the peace for failing to disclose that Wang is a Chinese government advisor. Because the New York Slimes is in communist China's corner. That is the pattern and practice and history of the New York Times. The Center for China and Globalization has downplayed its links to the Chinese government, saying that it is independent from direct government control, but the organization acknowledges that Wang advises several Chinese government agencies and serves on two organizations, Western Return Scholars Association and the China Overseas Friendship Association, that are both part of the CCP's United Front. Biden administration, in an intelligence memo last month, sounded the alarm about the United Front. The director of National Intel called the United Front a coalition of entities working towards the Communist China Party's goals that plays a leading role in China's foreign influence efforts. Doesn't have to do much for Thomas Friedman, does it? And the center touted the stateside trips as an overseas think tank engagement mission filled with productive meetings. Wang met with leaders of several groups known as, uh, excuse me, known for sympathetic views towards China, including the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, the Asia Society, the U.S.-China Business Council. And after meeting with Friedman, Wang visited with the head of CGTN America, a TV station controlled by the Chinese Communist Party's propaganda department. So the number one columnist for the New York Slimes who gets Pulitzer Prizes like Little kids get lollipops because he's a radical left-wing kook promoted by the New York Times thinks we're provoking communist China. And in my view, certainly from a policy perspective, he's been in the back pocket of the communist Chinese regime for years and years. And I think his views are illustrative of the mass media in our own country, especially the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost, especially the TV networks in this country. They're a little confounded because it was Nancy Pelosi who defied the communist Chinese and went to Taiwan. Not a Republican. If it had been a Republican, of course, they would have completely and utterly eviscerated the Republican and the Republicans for provoking this entire thing. China was somewhat under control. China was somewhat in a cage, if you, the proverbial cage, if you will, when Donald Trump was president. Now, like Russia, Iran, North Korea, all of our enemies, as I told you in the lead-up to the election, they were rooting for Joe Biden and the Democrats, and they got what they wanted. They got what they wanted. Now, here's the deal. Xi is going to attack Taiwan militarily and try and invade it. 
or economically encircle it and choke it off. I said we needed to get weapons to them as soon as possible because it would be very difficult to get weapons to them once the communist Chinese encircle that island. That is exactly what's happened. I'm no military expert. I didn't have to go to West Point or I didn't have to go anywhere. Just use your noggin and look at a map. It's an island. Why do you think the communist Chinese have built up their navy to bigger than our navy? Why do you think they have militarized islands right there in the South China Sea? Why do you think they've developed certain weapons for the purpose of attacking Taiwan and, by the way, the United States? You don't need to be General Milley to figure this stuff out. Amazing, isn't it? And where is Dick Cheney? Is he complaining about this? No, he just cut an ad trashing Donald Trump for his daughter. Trashing Donald Trump. Well, where is George Bush? How come he's not speaking out? He's too busy. Painting. Where are all the former generals and admirals who are so outspoken against Trump? They can't speak out against Biden? No, they can't, apparently. They think this is all swell. No problem at all. Where are all the hawks in the Republican Party? Many of them are fearful that they'll be called out and attacked as super neocons, a.k.a. Jews. So now defending America, defending our liberty, defending our sovereignty, and defending our allies, we have allies for the purpose of defending us. Now that's a super neocon view. Next thing you know, they'll be calling it a MAGA or mega neocon view. Well, guess what? Those kind of labels mean nothing to me. Nothing. I want you to look at what took place before World War I, and in particular before World War II, when the pacifists and isolationists had their way. I want you to look at it. How many lives that cost the American people? As Hitler got stronger and stronger and stronger, as Mussolini got stronger and stronger and stronger, as Tojo got stronger and stronger and stronger, and their militaries bigger and bigger and bigger, while our isolationist Congress, and that's Republicans and Democrats, sat on their asses. And then somebody else's kids and grandkids had to go to Europe, had to go to Asia, had to go to North Africa, and fight to get territory back initially in order to take on the enemy. We lost many, many, many lives in World War II in Europe. And we have senators like Josh Hawley who say, well, we can't, you know, what do you expect us to do? Our generation. Got to choose one, China or, or Europe. Is, is that right? What did the greatest generation do? They said, well, we've got to choose one. Either Europe goes under Hitler or, you know, or we can fight in the Pacific, but we can't do both. The fact of the matter is, the United States Congress is not building up our military to the point it needs to be built up. I don't care what General Petraeus said on my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Way too political, I thought his answers were. Way too political. Now, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see what's going on here. Almost a century ago, it was Germany, Japan, and Italy. Today, 
It's Russia, China, and Iran. Director Ray, who is the most significant geopolitical foe the United States faces in the next decade? That would be the People's Republic of China, and specifically the Chinese Communist Party. The fact of the matter is, we do not have a ruling class. We do not have a federal government that is focusing seriously on this. Now, what am I talking about? What is Congress doing right now? Tanking our economy further. I'll get to that later. Our borders are wide open. Anybody can roll in here, including communist Chinese spies, including fentanyl manufactured in communist China, provided to the drug cartels in Mexico, and killing American citizens. You haven't heard Democrats, a rare one here and there, but you haven't heard Democrats as a choir complaining about any of this. You haven't heard the Biden administration taking any of this seriously. You see the, excuse me, the border is wide open. You see they're not taking our military needs seriously. They're not taking our military personnel seriously. 